often. Faith becomes more about who is in and who is out or about who belongs and who does not. But in order for spirituality to be good for anyone, it has to be good for everyone. In this podcast, we find incredible people using their faith and life as a catalyst for goodness in this world. Be inspired to discover your own goodness in order to make your life, your family, your community, and your world better. Welcome to the Chasing Goodness Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Kinzera, and I'm so grateful to be with you today. I love this. Every time I get the opportunity, I just love it. In this episode, I have the opportunity to talk with an incredible woman and she's actually from my hometown. I don't remember the last time I've interviewed somebody who's from my local area, which makes this even more special, but she's doing some amazing work to end homelessness in our community. So please enjoy this enlightening conversation with the founder of The Hub, Becky Piper. Welcome, Becky, to the Chasing Goodness podcast. This is so fun because so many times I'm sitting here in front of a Zoom call, which is, I don't know, less than personable, and I think we're all getting a little tired of those at this time, but you're like a townie. You're, yes. you, we live here. We live in this town together, <laughs> so we can actually sit in an office together, which is lovely. So welcome. Why don't you just give everybody kind of the 30,000-foot view of who Becky Piper is? <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me. Well, like you said, I'm Becky Piper, and I was I grew up not far from here, probably about an hour north of here, and so kind of been around. I'm a simple person, nothing fancy. That depends <laughs> got, on who you ask, I would imagine. <laughs> I've got um, we have two daughters and a granddaughter, and then also a very amazing man, Mark. And so we stay busy with, with what we have going on with the hub, for sure, and then just in life. So explain to everybody a little bit about what the hub is and then we'll backtrack and figure out how you got to this place so just explain when you say the hub it's for people who are homeless and share just share what it is okay so the hub is actually um, a nonprofit that was started at the end of 2019 i filed the paperwork previously my career before that i had worked Um, locally for an organization that I had an office where people that were in crisis could come in and I would troubleshoot with them what they needed to do to get out of crisis so that could involve you know helping them with the homeless piece helping them with um, getting connected with food resources whatever the need was I would work with them and that office when I started was bare bones there was a desk a notebook and a phone and so that developed over a series of you know about five or so years and I realized when doing that that I was very passionate about that type of thing about about sitting down with people that were in crisis and working with them to move forward out of crisis and that was a side of my personality that I knew was there but it was kind of always in the back and in doing that I really discovered something that I loved and with with the organization that I worked for I was also contracted by the county to case manage one of their housing programs and so I was wearing a few hats in that office and so with that happening my brain started to kind of incorporate okay what could what could we do to make this different make this better we were heavily dependent upon um, different funding sources state funding and it was very stressful being dependent upon grants and stuff and so I started thinking outside the box of like what could be done to meet this need but not be completely dependent upon funding grant funding actually one night during the night I woke up and I felt the Lord say to me the hub 
And I wrote that down and I put it on a piece of paper and it sat there for about six months. I had no idea what that meant. I knew it was the Lord that had woke me up and given it to me, so I knew it would be something, but it, it made no sense to me at the time. And as I sat on that, I started praying. I'm like, God, you know, if, you, if there's something more you want me to be doing, you need to show me. And it was within the next few months that some of the area churches started reaching out to me that had people in their congregation that were experiencing homelessness. And they weren't sure how to properly care for them. They wanted to help them, but they also wanted to know how to set up healthy boundaries. And they were reaching out to me to kind of work with them, to kind of walk with them on how to best care for them. And as the conversation started with a few of those churches, I realized that this is kind of the start of what the hub was going to be. And so I filed the paperwork for the hub at the end of 2019, like I said. And as I was doing that, in those months of waiting, I was able to give my notice at the position I was at knowing that I was going to start the hub, not understanding fully what it was going to look like. And I gave a, a, a several month notice at my job and really trained in somebody to replace me so there wasn't a gap. And I left my position, my stable position with insurance benefits, everything on March 13th. Overrated, Becky. It's so overrated. <laughs> on March 13th of 2020. So within two days, everything had shut down because of COVID. Mm. And so right out of the gate, the first thing I had to address was okay, life looks completely different now. So the vision that I had originally thought that the hub was going to take was completely put on pause. Because with COVID, there was new funding that had come out that would help with different with eviction prevention and motel vouchers, which was some of the need that I was hoping to fill. And so I started really researching where the gaps were in our community. There's, there's several places in our community where people can go if they are they need crisis shelter meaning they have nowhere else to go that night there's not enough here but there there is options so they can go to those locations they can stay there and mostly everything is done for them so they're, they're provided with a warm bed they're provided with food that they need where there was a gap was where when people are starting to do the hard work to come out of homelessness like dealing with their mental illness their addiction they've maybe improved their job situation so they have more money coming in where I found the gap in our community was where do they go then? Because we we do struggle around here with um, there's a lack of affordable housing, which is kind of talked about a lot. But in the meantime, when they a lot of times when they've been homeless, they have an eviction on their record, marks that would make them not your first choice when you're looking for an ideal tenant. Yeah, I've heard that it's so important to do the work to help people not to get to that point because once somebody is without a physical address once they don't actually have a home the process of getting back to having a home is so brutal because like you said maybe they have an eviction maybe they have a gap in employment there's so many things that are are suddenly getting in the way of of them finding sustainable living so you're right like even if you have a full-time job you might struggle to pay rent as it is put on top of that that there's an eviction on your record put on top of that maybe you have you know a child that you have to pay for or a car you know we were mm -hmm. just talking before we mm -hmm. started car payments or repair you know there's so much as an adult that you just have to pay for but if we can help people before they get to that point that's wonderful but then once they get to that point that's where you really come in and start filling that gap right because once once they've fallen into um, homelessness it's usually a side effect of other things and that's been proven over and over but what do we do for them once that's happened and 
in our community a, a good resource to have would be a place where they can go where they can pay rent they can develop a new rental history so as they're applying for permanent housing they have something positive to submit with their rental application and that is the piece where the hub fits the hub was an old motel it actually has 14 houses like little houses they were the old army barracks that were brought up from the southern part of the state from what i'm told and they all have a full bathroom they have a kitchen or a kitchenette and they're self-sustaining so what we're able to do with the hub is offer 14 places for people to come as they're transitioning out of homelessness to live they pay rent weekly I then act as their case manager and landlord. So I'm able to, you know, help them with the resources they need going forward. I'm able to work with them when they're applying for housing. I can speak on their behalf because I should mention my family and I, we live right on site. There's the main house on the property and we have located ourselves there. So we're there full time, eyes on site all the time. So we're able to vouch for them. We're able to say, hey, they're quiet, they're clean. They pay on time, please consider them. And that has been a really good help for a lot of people that are trying to transition out of homeless. Yeah, I think when we have this conversation about homelessness, a lot of times what happens is people just assume that if we throw enough money at the problem that it'll go away, right? Like, so that person doesn't have enough money, so they don't have a home. So if we somehow get enough money in their pocket, then everything will be fine. Bada boom, bada bing, right? Right, right. And unfortunately, when dealing with poverty in our world, but certainly in America, that mentality is part of what's getting us into cyclical thinking, right? Right. Where it's like, if we just throw money, then everything's gonna be fine and we don't have to worry about it anymore. But you already mentioned, you know, mental illness. I've heard upwards of 60 to 80% of people who are homeless have some sort of mental illness, mm-hmm. and that's not surprising mm-hmm. at all. And then you've already mentioned things like rental history and, and things like that. And so, it does take like this this fight against homelessness takes another level yet do we need the the places where we have crisis care absolutely we Mm -hmm. need you know we live in wisconsin we need people off the streets in the middle of winter (laughs) right now we need them off the streets really bad but then to take that a step farther you know we do need more intentional types of programming like what you're offering and what a great resource to not only offer a warm place to stay a little house. I mean, these are like tiny, they're not tiny houses, they're little houses, though they're really cute. And then also, you know, acting as a reference, but also acting as a resource, like all in this little like acre lot that you have or whatever Mm -hmm. over there. So much goodness happening there, which is, which is exciting. So you, you mentioned a while back this idea that even churches or individuals, we all run into homeless people all the time. Doesn't really matter where you live you know, all across the country, all across the world, you know, people that are listening to this, no matter where you are, you've ran into a homeless person. Probably you might run into a homeless person every single day. We probably do here. And sometimes it's hard to know what our response should be. So since you live in this world, and I should note as well, when I used to work with homeless people on a regular basis, one of the things that I thought was I don't know, maybe equal parts funny and sad is people would come down to where we we had our gathering and they would ask me where the homeless people are because as if they're supposed to (laughs) look a certain way or they got to look really dingy or dirty or something like that, which is just not always the case. So you might be running across homeless people and you have no idea that they might be homeless. But for those cases where we know 
you know, this is a person, maybe we're walking down the street, somebody asks for help in some way, shape or form. I don't, I don't want to say what should we do, but what are options of, of what we can offer that, that random person that we might run into? And then we'll take one step further and say, well, what if we're in a community like a church or a workplace or something like that? Yeah, I think one good place to start is just become familiar with what your community has to offer for people in crisis. A lot of times when we when we ourselves are not experiencing crisis, we don't need those resources. So we're not familiar with what a community might have. And one thing, the first thing I had to learn when I started that position in that office was if I was in crisis, what where do I go? And I had no idea. So I had to really get to know what the community had to offer. And you know, if, if your heat is going to be turned off, your fuel bill, if you're out of food, where do you go? Just the basic need things. And I think as a, as a good community member, the first place to start would be find out what your community offers. Um, because there's different resources out there that can be tapped into if we know what they are and we know where to send people know where those places are, know what they offer. That would be a good place to start. Yeah, that's like the best advice ever. I think, you know what I think goes through everybody's mind when that happens is should I give them money or not? Or should I buy them something? Like our our minds go to the most simplistic thing. In some ways, our minds go to what they're asking for. So right. maybe they have a sign or maybe they're holding out a jar for money or something like that. And we kind of have this like, well, if I give them money, am I supporting some sort of, you know, we have mm -hmm. all those crazy thoughts that go, go through our heads, but you couldn't be more right. Like how about instead of that, yeah, give them money or don't give money, give them some food or don't give them food. But to give them opportunity for resources, that's so much more helpful because we don't know, you know, we, uh, again, our community is, is on a main freeway that goes between Minneapolis, Milwaukee, Chicago. And so a lot of times, some of the homeless people that we might run into are people that are just traveling, traveling by. So they might not even know that we have a place where, you know, it's February, we have a place where you can actually sleep tonight, at least so you can get off the street, or whatever. But I do think that's great advice of just letting people know. And I know when I, again, when I got into the world of working with homeless people, that was such a freeing thing that when I would run into somebody who was obviously, you know, struggling in that way, the first thing I would do, you know, um, maybe I'd give them money, maybe I'd go buy them a sandwich or something like that. But then I, I felt comfortable just saying, I'll give you a ride you know, hop on, hop on in. We'll go down to the homeless shelter. We'll go down to the place where you can get a free meal, whatever. And um, I think that's awesome advice. So everybody listening, wherever you're at, find out the resources that you have. That's step one, because you might be able to connect somebody. And just think about it like this. You might have the opportunity to connect somebody in a way that could change their life, Absolutely. which is awesome. Here's some things I'm thinking. You had mentioned church. Okay. So if you're in a church or a faith setting, that's a real common place where you're I think without a doubt going to run into some people who are struggling, whether they're homeless or not. Um, I think about libraries, public places, uh, even restaurants. So if, if you're often in those spaces and you run across people and maybe there's in that setting, maybe a little bit more of a relationship built. So if that's your scenario, we'll, we'll use what you had mentioned. So you go to church and there's this person that you have become you know, familiar with, you've talked to them, and then you discover that they're homeless. What steps can you take? So we know, yeah, get them to the resources that are there. But what else can you do? And maybe I'm talking more about emotional support and, um, you know, how do we how do we communicate effectively with somebody who's gone through quite a bit of trauma at that point in their life? I think the, the first step would be if you're if you're in a faith community, just say we'll use that as an example, and you're starting to build a relationship or maybe a mentor relationship type 
relationship with somebody that's experiencing homeless, the first thing I would do would be I would connect to somebody in leadership of that church and make sure that you are partnering with them so that there's good communication with what what needs they are requesting to have met, what needs are being met, and make sure that the faith, you know, somebody in leadership in that faith community knows what is being done because that provides a safety for everybody involved. It's our job to just maybe not meet a basic need, but to get them a more lasting solution. And the way to do that would be connect them on several levels. So with a mentor and with also somebody in leadership. So there's some accountability for what's being done to help that individual. Yeah. And that's really great. And, you know, a lot of times people get will get frustrated in those situations because people who are struggling are always asking and often for the same thing, right? Because they need it again the next week or they need rent the next month. But, you know, I'd, I'd often tell people, just put yourself in the same spot, man. If you are in in that sort of crisis, you're going to scratch and claw for food, for money for a hotel, whatever you need, you know, gas for your car. Like it's it's easy to look down on somebody or feel like they're trying to be manipulative. But yeah, I, I would be pretty manipulative too if I was worried about where I'm When you're desperate, tonight. you do desperate things. Yeah, oh, that's, yeah absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I like that idea because I do think that there, I, I even like that you call it a mentor because there there is something to be said about kind of walking alongside somebody. You know, if I'm, and anybody that's a functioning human being can be a mentor, you know, because I'm paying my mortgage, I've got a steady job, you don't, so I've got something I can offer you, right? I don't know exactly what it is I have to offer, but I've got something, right? I'm one step you know, beyond where you are right now. But then also, I do like that idea of having some sort of leadership accountability there. Uh, again, whether it's a church or a library or whatever, make sure the people that are in charge know what it is that you're doing. I've... <laughs> The people with the really big hearts, Becky, are the ones that get themselves in all sorts of trouble. Oh, I know. I've been there. I've been there. (laughs) I've learned. I've learned. I've had people like move them into their house. And and then I've been on the back end of that. It's like, oh, we just moved a homeless person into our basement. I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. Because, again, because when you're in crisis, you just don't know what you're getting into. And you want to make sure that there's people around you that know what kind of help. Hey, move somebody in your house if that's what you feel led to do. Don't let me tell you what to do or not to do but have like a community in on that conversation so that you have some support as as well so becky share what makes the hub and you shared a little bit about what it is but what makes it unique what is the thing that's different about the hub than about maybe a normal normal homeless shelter for example so the hub is its own location and it was an old motel so they like we talked about there's 14 units that are freestanding little houses for them to stay in and with them each having their own little house it's almost as if they have their own home so it's a great step from them transitioning from a shelter environment to now having to upkeep and maintain their own small space before they then graduate into a full apartment or home you know, of bigger size. And because a lot of times when, when you're coming out of crisis, there's not a lot of responsibility day to day. Like they don't have to worry about, you know, mowing a yard or, you know, right. that kind of thing. So so it's nice. It's a nice gradual stepping process for them to ease back into the responsibilities of just day to day life of being, you know, back in you know functioning full time in the community. Yeah. How do you and, and this is a question I have out of a personal experience. We used to manage a an apartment building. It just was two apartments that we used to house homeless people. This was a number of years ago. Uh, we got a, a 
single mom and her child in there. And this is one of those situations where it's like, you think you're going to, you know, be the savior of the world for that family or whatever. And we rally around this family. They trashed the place. And, you know, I'm, I'm not sitting here blaming them. I mean, they, they trashed it, but at the same time, like they didn't know how to take care of it and they didn't know how to set boundaries. And so they weren't the only ones trashing it. They were inviting friends in who were not taking care of it either. And so how do you do that? Because I think that's part of the problem as well. It's like, how do you, how do you do that? How do you help them keep the There's place? There's a lot to it. Nice. <laughs> and I think it's, I think it's stepping small steps. I would say it's small steps. So and there are rules that they have to follow when staying at the hub. One of them, is um, that they aren't allowed to have guests. They do need to, I mean, it's only only they are authorized to stay there. If they want to get together with a friend, that's amazing, but do that outside of the hub. They can. So not, at no point is somebody else Somebody can come house. through and pick them up and, sure. you know, like that type of thing. But they're, that, that house is, they're authorized for them only. Got it. So we, and, and with us living on site, we could keep a very close eye on what's happening. Um, and also just, there's a vetting process to be eligible for the hub. Their mental health has to be stable and they can't be actively using. So with those two things, I mean, that helps eliminate a lot of crisis mode situations. Mm -hmm. um, but I would say just the whole mentoring piece then really comes into play because you're working with them on how to care for their unit. So uh, I do, you know, I will go in and check the units to make sure they're keeping it clean. And if, I see things that need to be addressed. We'll we'll talk about it. We'll say, okay, do you know how to scrub the floor? Do you know how to, you know, can I help you? Do you need cleaning supplies? And just, it's really just coming alongside them and giving them the skills that they need to be successful. And it, it could be all different things. It could be from finances to cleaning to um, just basic need, you know, showering, making sure that you're you know, you're keeping your clothes clean, making just basic need items that we take for granted because it just seems so normal every day that we're just doing it. It's it's beginning with them from square one, literally, to build back. Yeah. Okay, so somebody's listening to this somewhere in the world and they're thinking, yeah, I feel like Becky felt a little while back. Like, I, this is a passion of mine. It breaks my heart every time I think about homelessness or meet a homeless person. I want to do something in my community. And I'm not talking about just figuring out where the resources are. Like I want to be a part of the, I want to be a Becky Piper. I want to get in the trenches and do something that matters based on your, you know, experience that still is like very recent, at least with the hub. What would your advice be to somebody who kind of has that burning desire to just get in there and get their hands dirty and be a part of the solution? I would look at what's already available and see if there's something already happening that you want to partner with. And if there's not, then really do do the the legwork to research what is needed. Because one thing with communities, we sometimes tend to have a lot of people doing the same thing, which then we're tapping into re the same resources over and over again and really not advancing on the problem because we're everybody's kind of going to the same pot for help, for money, for funding, different things. I just started researching, okay, what's around in our communities? And I went and volunteered with them and just spent some time watched what they were doing, got to know what they were doing, kind of learned the, about the people that were, you know, already had something going, 
And that's where I started personally, getting a little more experience with working with people in that population. And then just really started praying and say, oh God, okay, God, what is it that you want me to do? You know, it was gradual steps, which then led to the hub. But I think just beginning so that you don't, you aren't duplicating what's already out there or maybe partnering if it's already available. Because everybody, when you're working in this, well, in nonprofits, in just, you know, serving people in crisis, there's, you always need help. <laughs> so right. if there's somebody that's passionate <laughs> about it, if there's somebody to come on board and support, that's always a huge blessing too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, think about it like this. I know, um, you know, like for example, if you wanted to start a food pantry or something like that, if that's something that you'd want to do, make sure you start it on a day in your community where there's not another food exactly. pantry running because you don't want to be fighting for resources. You know, um, I know that, you know, for in our community for a while, there was food pantries open every day, but Sunday. So then I, then I think somebody eventually took Sunday. So that idea of being aware of what's there is, is really special. So don't hear this today. If you're listening from somewhere, don't hear this and say, I should find a bunch of tiny houses and house homeless people. That's, that might not be the answer for your community. Right. Your community may already have that. Maybe you need to open, open a shelter for crisis, or maybe you need to open a place that feeds people or whatever, like find out whatever that gap is. Don't just try to recreate because I mean, Becky, your idea is brilliant, but it's brilliant for our community. It might not be brilliant for who knows, right? It's just a great idea. It's perfect for our space here, but other people have to figure out, you know, in their community as well, what they need to do as well, which is so important. And you mentioned it briefly there, but do not, I don't care if it's homelessness, um, you know, human trafficking, any of these bit, you know, uh, clean drinking water, any of these kind of big, emotionally charged, difficult, justice-oriented needs in our culture. Like, don't don't try to do it alone because the, it's too much. A lot of the people that I partner with are ones that were formed with relationships that I had from my previous job. Because like I said, you know, I had an office where I referred people in crisis to get them connected. So I had built relationships with the agencies that were out there, the churches. And those relationships have carried through into, of course, the hub. Mm-hmm. So it, the way the hub works is they, those agencies like the housing authority, um, local churches, um, There's many different ones, but they kind of do the vetting process for me. Uh, If somebody comes to them and they are homeless and they are they do the vetting process for me and they kind of gauge to see if they would be a good fit for the hub. And from there, they send the referral on to the hub. So you're not necessarily getting people driving up to your I mean, I'm sure you do, but that's not necessarily how you're doing the intake. Yes. Yes. They it's because I want the hub to kind of be a place that's protected. It's kind of a quiet, safe place because when they've come out of crisis, they need that time of rest. And And that should be noted, too, like so many homeless shelters like crisis centers are right, like in the main part of the town. The hub is. I mean, it's. I think it's even outside of our city limits, right? It's kind it's of. It's in between of the two. Yep. It's yep. It's in between two two of the cities. So it's like it's it could serve both. It's a it's a good place, but it's not on your. It's not on the beaten path. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't you wouldn't walk there. No, you would you not. Wouldn't walk there. <laughs> you would not. And you know that to me, I find is ideal because it does allow them to separate from maybe some of the people that were clinging to them that they wanted to be free from that were you know because once one person a lot of time gets help gets help 
a few people will follow and a few people will follow and mm-hmm. then and not necessarily that are wanting the help or to do the hard work but because they want a place to stay yeah and i think that when i talked about the situation where we we had the woman that kind of trashed the place it was right close to like the downtown area so all of her you know friends and it was a little too convenient a little too convenient yes. for everybody yes. Yeah, yeah yes and so i do like that as well but that brings up a question um and i know like when I pa- I did see like vehicles outside most of the little place. Do they have to have their own transportation, or do you help them when they have to have their own transportation as well? Yep, they are they are supposed to be independent, basically. Okay. Um, the the piece that's missing is that permanent housing. Got it. Are they still struggling? Yes, mm-hmm. but they are supposed to be doing the hard work for themselves. So we will allow, you know, if, if there's a car repair that needs to happen, you know, we will help them get connected with a resource that could help yeah, fix their car. Sure, or, But sure. they're, they're expected to get to their job themselves. They all have to have income, consistent income, because like I said, they do pay weekly. So, okay. so they're expected to, you know, to tow their own, tow yeah. their own way. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. The other thing that's really exciting, too, because, you know, we all have different gift sets. We all have different things we're good at. And I love, like you know watching you guys on social media or whatever and seeing the guys like with their you know nail guns and stuff showing up because that's another part that's really beautiful is not only do you have opportunities for mentors do you have opportunities for you know people that are struggling with homelessness but you also have opportunities for guys you know volunteers who are construction workers and things you know there's just so many opportunities for for people to get involved so it does like when i think of the hub you know it really does feel like this this community thing like people have just like pitched in and i mean i know becky you're like the the little engine that could that's got this thing going but it just feels like everybody's just come Mm -hmm. together because it's a brilliant idea we all know our community needs it and there's so many wonderful opportunities to help and i'm are you planning on expanding will there be more little houses or no we're sticking where we're at um we are the the only expansion that we will do at this point would be i would really like to build a community building and it will be able to have an office space and also a meeting space so that we can use that space to offer more services that gives them the equipping tools to be successful so like maybe some support groups um budgeting classes cooking classes even, just basic need things that we could do on site for the guests that we have, just to really fully equip them so that they have everything they need to be successful long-term. Yeah, brilliant. That I mean, that seems like the, the missing piece. I'm sure it'll happen too, which is exciting. How do people uh, keep track of you? Is there a website, social media? What's the best way to, to see what's happening at The Hub? Well, we do have a website, www.thehubec.org, and we also have a Facebook page that's The Hub Homeless Services. As we bring this home today, there are a few things that stood out to me from my conversation with Becky. First, just be aware of the resources that are in your community. What does your community offer, whether we're talking about homelessness or really anything else? I think it's really important to be aware of what's out there so that we can be a resource to anybody that we may run into in any given day. Next, it's so important to remember that when it comes to things like poverty or, again, any issue that we may have in our community or our world, it is extremely vital that we work together. Too often I see organizations who are serving the exact same populations fighting for resources or refusing to work cooperatively in that. I mean, that's just simply unacceptable. Together, so much more is possible. And then finally, as I listen to Becky's story, I'm reminded that 
if any of us feel prompted or led to do something, just take that first step and trust that the path is going to show up as we walk forward. Special thanks again to Becky Piper. You can find out more about The Hub by going to www.thehubec.org. And of course, you can support this show by subscribing to it, giving it a five-star rating, and writing a review. And you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Matt Kinzer. And as always, let's keep chasing goodness together. <laughs>